Fire! In the storage room! Head for the deck! Al screamed, his eyes wild with fear. He took off running, screaming all down the corridor. Max turned to look back to the storage area, and a low growl rumbled in his throat. It's them again. Now they're trying to kill us all. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 54 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And later, Miss Jenny has a pop quiz question for all of us, so pay close attention as you're listening to the chapter. Then she'll give us some insights on the mysterious wind. Um, sorry. Uh, And anyway, let's get rolling with your hosts, Max and Liz. Greetings, all. Uh, Thanks, announcer lad, but what's with the mysterious wind? Well, that's in the name of the chapter. We am sure, but uh, you are making it sound uh, spooky or something like mysterious. Ooh. That's what I sound like? Well, something like that. More like ooh. No, that is too gravelly. More ooh. I don't make kitty sounds then. Ooh. Ooh. I don't do that. Neither do I. Uh, thank goodness. But see, I am just telling you what Monsieur Announcer did. No, Ooh. That's not what I... Uh, he don't sound like a kitty lass. Thank well, you. Well, he's not a gravelly, scotty dog. No. Uh, but enough about me. Aye, good point. Quit making it all about you, then. I didn't. I, I never... <sighs> I, I just mentioned the mysterious wind. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> now cut that out. There's a lot happening in today's chapter called The Mysterious Wind Returns. For example, Max, you're all upset about your read missing. Oh, yeah, that what I missed that were. But Charlie was offering all kinds of help. Well, in his own Charlie way, then. And Al comes face to face with a giant Liz. Ooh, scary! Really, Max? And as you can see, I am not a giant Liz. I am still a la petite kitty. Well, then what did Al see? Hmm? All the while, Liz here was pondering the mysterious wind. Ooh! 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 All right, before everyone thinks we've all gone totally deft, let me cut to the chase then. If you remember, way back in the beginning of the story, I were in me native land of Scotland, and the wind blew, and it made all the reeds bend and bow and hum. And that was how I started following the fire cloud. So it was mysterious, but not spooky. Uh, But now, the mysterious wind has a totally different purpose. Right, Monsieur Announcer? Ooh! All right, already. Let's find out what really happened. Chapter 54 The Mysterious Wind Returns. Max grumbled to himself as he walked up and down the corridors. The animals knew he was upset, which in turn upset them. It didn't set well to have the Ark's hero out of sorts. They were used to a happy hero. Have you seen me read then? Max asked Duke, who was doing additional stretching exercises, even though he participated in flamingo aerobics earlier that morning. The elephant just loved stretching. 
Sorry, Max, haven't seen it. Where did you last tab it? Duke asked, now lifting his back leg up while holding on to the stall railing with his trunk. It were in me stall yesterday, and I didn't take it anywhere, Max answered, plopping down on the floor. Duke, it makes me mad, but also sad. That reed means a lot to me. It's like having a piece of the glen with me. Duke shifted to his other back leg and stretched it out. That's perfectly understandable, Max. You should be upset to lose something so special. But I didn't lose it, Max replied, frustrated. Is everything okay here? What's wrong, Max? said Charlie as he slithered up next to him. No, Charlie, things are not okay. Me reed's gone missing, Max explained, resting his head on his paws. And it's important to him, Duke added, now reaching out his front leg, remembering to breathe correctly, as the flamingos instructed. That's terrible. Who do you think took it? Charlie asked. Why do you assume someone took it? Duke asked. Charlie laughed. <laughs> well, obviously the reed doesn't walk about on all fours like its owner. Aye, I agree. Someone had to take it. How else could it be missing then? Max said, perking up. Do you have any ideas, Charlie? Well, it would have to be someone who either wanted the reed for themselves or someone who just wanted to make you upset, Charlie answered. Duke snorted from his trunk. I think you two may be jumping to conclusions. I'll let you two talk, though. I'm going to lie down and do my side stretches now, if you'll excuse me. Sure, lad. Enjoy your stretching, then. Charlie, want to help me look? Max asked as he began trotting down the corridor. Charlie slithered alongside Max, trying to keep up with him. I'll be glad to, but wait up. You are a dog on a mission. But that's good, like I always say. You've got to look out for yourself first, so you can stay ahead. Max turned his head to look at Charlie with a wrinkled brow. That's not what Gilliman told me. He always said to put others first and yourself last. That way, you're spreading kindness, and then you get happy yourself. But how can you possibly put others first if you're miserable to begin with? No, I think you need to take care of yourself and make sure you're happy first. Then you'll be able to help others. If you're happy, then you can spread the joy, Charlie reasoned. Max thought about what Charlie said. Hmm, I'll have to think about this one. I see what you're saying, but I'm not sure. I guess it's just different from how Gilliman explained it to me. Well, I know you'll come to the right conclusion, smart as you are, Charlie replied. Now, let's find that reed. Al woke from his nap, refreshed. Kate snoozed in the corner. Max and Liz were still gone. Guess I'll go look for me kitty last then and get an afternoon snack, Al said as he stretched and went toward the rainforest. He had heard that farther down the ark grew cocoa beans. 
So much ark still left to discover, and so much time to go and see it, he murmured to himself. He was one happy cat. The ark was so big that he hadn't yet seen all there was to see, or to eat. Al hummed as he strolled along the corridor. When he looked up to notice, he was in new territory. The trees here looked thicker and darker. The birds were flitting from tree to tree, enjoying the bounty of food in the branches. This must be the place, Al thought. He didn't see anyone at home in this stall and wasn't exactly sure who lived here. Anybody whom? Hello? Al asked, but didn't see any movement, except for the birds up above. Oh well, guess I'll just help myself. Al jumped up on the stall railing and then climbed up the branches. He could smell the cocoa. The delicious aroma made his mouth water. He followed his nose until he came across a huge cluster of the beans. Ah, come to me, me little gems, Al said as he reached over to grab a mouthful. As he pulled the branch back, he was met with a loud <coughs> that startled him so badly he fell backward, landing on a thick branch below. Shaking and with a mouthful of cocoa beans, Al stuttered, Jafaru, is that ye? All he could see were two huge golden eyes staring at him, and all he heard was heavy, panting breath. Al got scared. He closed his eyes and stayed still, hoping he would be invisible to whatever beast he had just awakened. Al heard the leaves rustling and the sound of heavy breathing come nearer until he felt the hot breath blowing in his face. He dared to open one eye, then he quickly opened the other. He couldn't believe what he saw. There in front of him was an enormous, sleek black cat staring at him. Liz! What happened to you? You're huge! I know I told you to put on a pound or two, but don't you think this is overdoing it a wee bit? And, and how did you do it so fast? Al clumsily said, spitting cocoa beans everywhere. The big black cat cocked his head to the side and said, Ma'afkansaya, namasaya java. Al sat there, now totally confused. Not only had Liz gotten huge, she was talking gibberish. What are you saying, lass? What have they done to you? The big black cat shook his head and then began to chuckle. The chuckle grew and grew and grew until he was laughing so hard his sharp, pointy teeth were all Al could see. No, 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 the big black cat finally said in a deep, mysterious accent. I'm not Liz. I'm Java. Al blinked once, then twice while turning his head to look the big black cat up and down. Are you sure, then? He looked like me lass, only bigger. You sure don't sound like her, though. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm a black panther from Malaysia. My name is Java, and this is my tree. Apakabar? Al felt really silly now. Here he had mistaken a giant-sized look-alike for his petite wife. If Crinan heard about this, he'd never hear the end of it. I, <laughs> Al laughed nervously. I were just kidding. 
Ha ha! I, I knew you weren't, Liz. Ha ha ha! He didn't sound convincing. Java chuckled. Upper Kabar? What does that mean? Al asked, sitting up and staring at Java, amazed at his striking resemblance to Liz. It means, how are you? Or, what's new? In Malay, replied Java, swishing his big tail like Liz, only powerfully whacking the branches with great force. I will. I'm relieved, no. Uh, sure, and it's great to meet you, Java. I am Al. Hope you don't mind I were helping myself to some of your cocoa beans. I heard they were really good, Al said, hoping the big cat wouldn't be angry. Gambale, uh, you're welcome. Help yourself, Al. I was just telling my wife, Java started to say, when they suddenly heard a loud roar coming from outside the ark. What's that? Al exclaimed as he and Java looked up to the windows. They couldn't see anything. Sounds like the wind has returned. I heard the wind roar like that when the maker called us to follow the fire cloud, Java said. He and Al looked at each other. I wonder what it means. I don't know, lad, but I know how to find out. I'm going to find me own black beauty, Liz. No offense, but I sure am glad she didn't get big like you. <laughs> She's always telling me that French cats never get fat, so I were worried. I'll see you later, Java, Al said as he jumped down the branches to head back to their stall. Jumbalagi, Java called. See you later. Liz was already working on one mystery. Now the mysterious wind had returned. It certainly went along with the mood. Liz climbed to the top level so she could see what was happening. The wind was powerfully blowing whitecaps on the water, as if the water were being driven back. According to Racket's timeline of marks, they had been aboard the Ark for 150 days with nothing new since the waters had covered the face of the Earth. Could a change be coming? Quite the wind blowing it is. Have you found anything yet, dear? Bethu said as she landed on the railing next to where Liz sat, gazing out to sea. Liz kept her gaze at the water and slapped her tail on the railing. Uh, bonjour, Bethu. And uh, no, I have found nothing. Evidence points to the wolves. Liz said before pausing with a sigh. She wrinkled her brow. But things aren't always what they seem, mon ami. Okay, just to make sure we're hearing you correctly, you said you heard a pair of animals running and panting down the corridor sometime before dawn? Charlie asked Peter. Duh, they were running and panting, and I wondered what they were doing up and out of their stall so early, Peter replied. Did you get a good look at them? Could you tell what kind of animals they were? Charlie continued. No, I could not make them out, but I did hear them drop something right outside our stall, Peter said. What were it, lad? Max jumped in, sliding on the icy floor. What did they drop then? Peter put his big paw up to his chin as he thought for a moment. I wasn't sure then, but I think it was something wooden. Da, something wooden, by the way it sounded when it fell. It was wood dropping on wood. 
Charlie looked at Max. Wood, Max. It could be your reed. He then turned to Peter. Did you see the object that fell? No, the animals picked it up and ran off with it. Peter replied, Is this helpful? Yes, yes. Thank you, Peter. You've been most helpful. We've gained some clues that will lead us to the thieves, Charlie said, bowing in gratitude to the polar bear. What are friends for, da? I'm glad to help. I will let you know if I see anything else, Peter said, slapping the snake on the back and sending him crashing to the floor. Max grimaced. I, uh, <laughs> thanks then, Peter. We'll see ya. Max helped Charlie up, and they left the icy stall. Charlie shook his head. That polar bear doesn't know his own strength. <sighs> but at least he gave us important information. If we just keep questioning the animals along the corridor, I'm sure we'll find other witnesses who saw something. I, but I think I already know who it is, Max said, a frown on his face. Who, Max? Charlie asked. The only two beasties who I can think of, who'd want something that didn't belong to them, and who would want to upset me. The wolves, Max replied, picking up his trotting pace. Charlie caught up with Max. I think you're right, Max. It has to be the wolves who took your reed. Who else could it be? I know you want these guilty ones caught. You want justice, and they deserve your vengeance, too. It's understandable how you must feel. Max wrinkled his brow. <sighs> Gilliman always told me it's okay to be mad and to want justice, but never to seek revenge. Always be the bigger animal, not stooping to the bad beastie's level. But Max, you've been wronged. You deserve payback, Charlie insisted. Aye, maybe you're right, Charlie, Max said with a growl. And I'm going to see about that payment right now. As Max turned to go find the wolves, he saw Al running toward him, followed close behind by a hundred panicked animals. Fire! Fire! Al screamed as he ran up to Max. Fire? Max asked, putting his paw out to stop Al. Fire! In the storage room! Head for the deck! Al screamed, his eyes wild with fear. He took off running, screaming all down the corridor. Max turned to look back to the storage area, and a low growl rumbled in his throat. It's them again. Now they're trying to kill us all. Max took off running in the opposite direction of the thundering herd of animals fleeing the fire. He headed right for it. Oh, that will create the day on the ark, eh? Oui, Max. But when the fire broke out, uh, why were you going the opposite way of everyone else? Well... You'll have to find out next time, like everyone else. Mon amis, this is what we call a tease. Aye, because you don't know what's going to happen, and we do. Well, 
That was really mature, not. <sighs> Why don't we just head to Jenny's corner? Well, hello, Max and Liz. Oh, bonjour, Miss Jenny. Uh, so, you have a pop quiz question for us today. Huh? Uh, what is it? One of my favorite questions to ask kids when I do my creative writing workshop on the Ark 3 and the Fire Cloud is, Okay, everyone, tell me, how long were they aboard the Ark? Oh, 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 I know, I know. Quiet, Max. Of course you do. You were there. Duh. Uh, what answer do you usually get, Miss Jenny? The number one answer is, with everybody's hands raised, 40 days and 40 nights. And I have to say, ding, 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 thank you for playing, but that answer is incorrect. <laughs> because when you do the math in Genesis, and you go and read the chronology, it took a year. Noah and his family were stuck on board the ark a year. So were we. Max, shh. And that's kind of hard, you know, when you think it took them 100 years to build the ark, but of course they were busy, they were building. Sometimes that's the easiest part of an assignment, right? When you're busy. And then they had the animals get on board and they were busy taking care of them and getting them all situated. And then it was raining and sometimes that's a cozy thing to stay inside in a thunderstorm and hunker down. But then the rain stops, they open the hatch, they go outside and they're surrounded by water, water everywhere. And there's nothing on the horizon as far as the eye can see. What would you do if you were stuck aboard a boat for a year with nothing to do? Of course, they did have a lot to do. They had 100,000 animals and eight people on board to care for them. So I'm sure they were kept pretty busy. But as I imagined, well, how did the animals feel about that? That's when I came up with the idea of, you know, having the animals entertain each other with their natural abilities on talent night and for them to have flamingo aerobics so they get some exercise and move their bodies. But just imagine for a minute what that really looked like. This isn't just a fairy tale story. That really happened to Noah and his family. And so sometimes the waiting can be the hardest part. And when I was envisioning, well, why did it take so long for the water to go away? Well, think about it. If the entire earth was covered, including the mountains, were covered in water, well, that's going to take a long time for that water to recede. Just think about when you've had a series of thunderstorms that might last a few days. Look in your backyard or your neighborhood and you'll see standing water for a long time. Well, if water like that is covering the mountains, that's going to take a long time for it to evaporate or to blow back. Uh, did you say to blow back? Like a mysterious wind? Tell us, Miss Jenny. When I was first thinking about the mysterious wind coming to drive that water back, I honestly had envisioned what God did with blowing back the Red Sea and how he parted the water for the Israelites and Moses so they could walk through a path. God blew the water back with the mysterious wind. And so that's what I adapted for this scene. So think about that a little bit more closely next time when you think about what Noah and his family had to endure for a whole year with water, water everywhere. Aye, and the animals too, lass. Uh, oui, Max. Uh, thank you, Miss Jenny. Well, there you have it. The maker brought the mysterious wind to blow back the water, water everywhere. Ah, uh, but as we left it this time, the bigger problem were fire, fire everywhere. 
We so please join us next time as we encounter trials by fire. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Au revoir, mes amis! Always remember, you are loved and you are able.